Grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied unto you from God our Father, from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Act, love, walk. If I invited you to my home, or you invited me to yours, on entering, each of us would read the walls. By that I mean the walls would read about our faith, our family, our adventures. My walls would reveal my adventures of white water rafting in Colorado and Alaska, my adventure to the maritime provinces of Canada, my trip, train trip through the western Rocky Mountain provinces of Canada, or my family tent camping in Michigan. You would find that out by reading the photos on my walls. And by reading my walls, you would learn of my family members. Down through their years, from childhood to adulthood, the ship manifest, names of family members who went, came into, entered the U.S. through Ellis Island, each photo and each document are frozen in time to capture the moment. In continuing to read my walls, my faith would be revealed by what's hanging on them. From crosses, religious paintings, faith-based stained glass artwork, and a retirement quilt featuring my favorite Bible verses. And I'm sure that if I visited your home, I would probably read pretty much the same on your walls about your adventures, your family, and your faith. However, the life verse in Micah 6, 8, which is the text for today's message, would not be found on any wall in my house, but it is etched in my heart. Why have I chosen this verse as my life verse? Well, I'll get to it a little bit later. The prophet Micah spells out especially what the Lord God expects of his people. He has shown you, O oh man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Act, love, walk. You'll notice that they are all action words. They are all imperative verbs. They require a person to do something. They are verbs that inevitably ask the question, what, how, and who? What are you doing? How and who are you loving? How and with whom are you walking? Point one, act justly. To act justly is to do what is morally right or fair. It is doing what is right simply because it is 
right, even if it is uncomfortable or not popular. For example, have you ever received a chunk of change by happenstance or by mistake because of the cashier's error? Did you think, wow, my lucky day? Or did your conscience say, you mean unlucky for the cashier? Because that shortage is coming out of her salary, her paycheck. The challenge is to be just and to be honest. Would you? Justice is doing what is right. God's words, thou shalt not steal. We've all made mistakes. We've all slipped up. We've all fallen short of God's glory. And in those moments of temptation to sin and to do it our way, God's call is to do it right and to get it right. Acting justly is about acting and doing what is right in God's eyes. And Jesus did what was right in the eyes of his heavenly Father. He obediently lived out the will of his Father. Jesus prayed, not my will, but your will be done. And though he knew no sin, he became sin for us, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. The great exchange, our sin for his righteousness, secures our salvation. Saved by grace through faith, we have been rendered a verdict of not guilty, having been washed clean by the shed blood of Christ on the cross. We are justified, seen by the Father, just as if we had not sinned. Forgiveness, life, and salvation, they are ours, all because God so loved the world that he gave his one and his only Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish. Incredible love. Point two, we are also called to love mercy. First John 4, 8. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. What does God's merciful face look like? Well, in a de daily devotion this week from online from Tim Hetzner, president and CEO of Lutheran Church Charities, he wrote that, Love is a verb. Without action, it is merely a word. He started that, stated that that action verb love was acted out in the ministry of Mother Teresa in Calcutta, India in 1948. And she took in five abandoned children and before the year ended, she had 41 students learning about hygiene. Her work became known as the Missionaries of Charity. 
And within two years, her ministry turned to the care of the dying. And a beggar found dying on a rubbish heap was brought to her. Hunger and suffering had reduced him to a virtual skeleton. And she washed his emaciated body covered with worms and his skin coming off. He revived to a semi-conscious state and asked, why do you do it? And Mother Teresa responded with two words, which became the hallmark of her life, for love. Sometimes we see other people as irritants, as inconveniences, instead of selflessly loving them with mercy and kindness. We are called to rise above our self-centered feelings and love others. The Bible challenges us saying, Beloved, let us love one another, for God is of, love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Jesus stretched out his arms on a cross, and he said, I love you this much, and he died. So we love because he first loved us. Point three, walk humbly. There's no shortage of Bible passages referencing that we are to be humble. In the Psalms, he guides the humble in what is right. He crowns the humble with salvation. In the New Testament, Ephesians and in James, he says, be completely humble and gentle. Humble yourselves before the Lord. The foundation of being humble is found also, and especially in verse 8 of Philippians 2, and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. You and I are called to emulate the humility of Christ. You and I are called to be foot washers. Hear what Jesus says. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done to you. To walk humbly with God is living in fellowship with God in modesty, in modesty and without arrogance. And this is, the way, this is the way in the very heart of everything in God's purpose for us, that we live in close relationship to him. To walk humbly with God means we must understand that he is in control. It means that we have to understand that we're all sinful human beings who've made wrong choices against God's will but have been forgiven. We deserve justice, that is, the wages of sin is death. 
But through Christ's sacrifice on the cross, we have received God's mercy. That is redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. In your memorabilia drawer, you might have a WWJD bracelet. The letter stands for, What Would Jesus Do? A better bracelet to wear would be one with the letters WWJHMD. What would Jesus have me do? That's more in keeping with the imperative to walk humbly with our God. It's an honor to serve God. It's an honor to be called forgiven and to be called a child of God. But we can't let it go to our heads. We have to seek God's will and to walk humbly with him. The bottom line is God loves you. His grace and his mercy give you what you don't deserve. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's a gift of God, so no one can boast. And further, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who should, would believe on him and receive eternal life. You might be wondering how I applied my life first. About 16 years into my ministry as a pastor, I was realizing an increasing number of bumps in the road in ministry. With hindsight, it was like a pot coming to a slow boil. Then, one day, unexpectedly, the organist abruptly quit. And part of this revolved around the introduction at that time of the then new hymnal, L.W. Lutheran Worship. Our synod had approved its use in all congregations. Our congregation also voted and approved its use. The organist and I attended a district workshop on how to implement it in the congregation. Family ties run deep in the congregation. And after the organist left, there was a tendency to choose sides. There was a buildup of tension over the months and the years moving forward. I got to the point where it affected aspects of my ministry and my congregate and my family. And I felt as if I had a target on my back. And I couldn't get any straight answers about the nature of the problem. It seemed to be more than just a hymnal. Of course, I began to feel like a failure. I felt like the situation snowballed and got out of control. I felt alone, isolated, and lost. 
I was not sure what course or direction to take. Should I take a call and leave the situation? Should I fight back? A divide developed of those who felt it was time for me to leave and those who said, no, stay. And for the sake of the gospel, I knew I had to stay. The gospel cannot and must not be compromised. And dealing with those who were not responsive to my pastoring became a great challenge and hurt. Where should I start? Psalm 139 was my launching platform. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. What do I need to do? How should I respond? I sought guidance from other pastors and from congregational members who also wanted healing. I looked at my, how I might improve my ministry skills. I pursued a second master's degree from Concordia University in Chicago. I went to seminars and workshops that equipped me to better serve the congregation. I became more focused, accountable, and transparent in my pastoring. And as I went through my struggle, discouragement, and the feeling of defeat, I surrendered to the Lord in humility and counted on his mercy to fight the battle for me. His grace and mercy worked a miracle and hearts were healed. Searching God's word and being in prayer, the Holy Spirit reminded me of the Apostle Paul's remedy and action. Live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. This passage and numerous others from God's Word gave me a focus and an intentional plan of ministry empowered by the Holy Spirit. Slowly but surely, God worked his will for me and his people to bring about healing and wholeness and unity and peace and being about the Heavenly Father's business. Act, love, walk. He has shown you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. In Jesus' name, amen.
Now may the peace of God that passes all human understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.